listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here, back with another deal analysis episode. This one will be a little bit different than a lot of the ones we've been doing recently. I've actually got Ben Einspar back in the studio. You know Ben from some previous podcasts on his house hack in Arvada, and also he is one of the hosts of the House Hacking Mastermind Group. And today, we're going to be talking about Ben transitioning out of his Arvada house hack into a brand new house hack in Wheat Ridge. So we'll discuss how the transition went and the new numbers on his new build on Wheat Ridge. Ben, welcome back. Chris, thank you for having me. I'm super pumped to be in the be in the studios again talking with you. Yeah, the, this is always fun to talk numbers, especially like when we talk like, hey, you know, you bought it, you closed on, here's what we expect. Now you got a couple years underneath your belt and you're moving. So, you know, to recap, you bought a house in Nevada, uh, three bedroom, two bathroom main house, I believe, with a one one basically mother-in-law suite above the garage. Correct. About the perfect layout for a house hack. You and your wife Allison have been there for what two and a half years? We we were there for about a year and a half. Year and a half, okay. Correct. Okay. So year and a half, and while you live in the main house, you've been Airbnb the mother-in-law suite Correct. up above the garage. And then you've done a great job of pivoting with that when COVID happened. You switched to medium-term rentals. So as we where I want to get some numbers with you in details is you pivoted to medium-term rental on there, and now you have moved out to your new property. So tell us about the pivot from a short-term rental to medium-term rental when COVID first hit about a year ago and why that's changed your investing philosophy. So when COVID hit, my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, oh crap, our whole principles, our philosophy is based off of short-term rental, people traveling. Well, people aren't traveling. So the whole part of the game is adapting and seeing what we can do. And so that's when we really started um, looking into medium-term rentals. And medium-term rentals are anything over 30 days. And we started looking into Furnish Finder and Copa uh, to try to get people in because Furnish Finder is actually focused more towards traveling nurses. And everyone knows during COVID, there's a lot of traveling nurses. And so that really got us through 2020, I would say from April to September. In September, we opened it back up. But April, September, medium-term rentals saved our business. And during that process, we knew that we noticed that, okay, well, this is great. We're not doing laundry every night. This is great. We're not having to deal with the cleaner. We're not having constant turnover. We're having more professionals come in and live with or live in our property that are more quiet and, and maybe sleep during the day and work at night. And it just, it really fit my wife and I during that time, it fit us perfectly and we couldn't have asked for anything better. All right. And so give a frequency. So medium-term rental is every what every one to few months having a turnover? Yeah, it depends on what they're looking for. The The shortest term you can do is 30 days, but we've had some up to four to five months. And we've actually had people come last minute, like, hey, can I stay a little bit longer? But we're really trying to keep it as a business and keep um, our occupancy and our turnover, our occupancy as low as possible. So we have people lined up. So we have had to turn away a couple people, but... All in all, we've had excellent, excellent experience with it. But short-term rental has its pluses as well. What's your what was your frequent uh, frequency and turnover for short-term rentals? Um, Just on average, like per so week or per for month. For short-term rentals, 
are ninety uh, percent of the people that stayed were Thursday through Sunday. Those were those were the big days. Um, and then the challenging part was for having the the some people would move out on Mondays as well, but the Tuesdays, Wednesdays were really challenging to fill. So we we really looked at it at a whole market and what our competition was and seeing who was full, who was not. And so we really to keep our high occupancy rate, I think we did an excellent job keeping our occupancy rate high because that's key. And more more occupancy, more foot traffic, more reviews. You get coho, you get super host for Airbnb. But the more uh, people that come in, you see it, and then you have less turnover. So, I guess to answer your question, um, we did the math, and I think uh, twenty twenty we averaged. 89% occupancy rate, I believe. Don't quote me on that, though. Even with that, the pandemic. And 2020 with a global so pandemic. So that 10% was probably... Because, I mean, for that first six or eight weeks, everything's kind of hit pause. So that was probably a big yes. part of your vacancy, right? Correct. Ten, that was the, the... It was the 10% was mainly, I believe, March was a very tough one. And March, we're... We... I think we had a 50% occupancy rate, maybe three guests. And we're like, like this isn't sustainable what do we do let's take a step back look at what we're trying to do as a whole and see what works best for us right now where we're at with our life and so that's when we that's when we transition in march from short term to medium term and then i believe november and no october november were really low people just weren't weren't um traveling at all so those were a little lower but it's expected you gotta when you're when you're when you're running your numbers, plan for vacancy, plan for the worst case scenarios. Anything else is a cherry on top. So a great point there for everyone to keep in mind is that it's always a matter of when, not if, when something goes not according to plan, you guys took account of it, you pivoted, you had the right mindset, and you just went on to, hey, landscape change, were the options? Great, this option looks like the best one, which is a medium-term rental. So fast forward, because back in February, you guys closed on the new place in Wheat Ridge. Correct. And so I want to back up a little bit before then, right at that time when you and Allison were planning on, you know, buying the next place. I want to get hopefully both your guys' mindset and discussion on there because you already lived through one house hack. You learned a lot. And then what were you hoping to accomplish in house hack number two? When we first started looking for house hack number two, we were only, we were really just looking at single family. Um, this was in November of 2020, uh, late late January, early November of 2021. And wait, the, say that again. Late, you said late January, early November. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I messed that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm confused with your dates. I just know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> My fault. All right, January, February. Okay. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um. Thank you for correcting me. So that's when we were looking and we were looking at, at single families, but the numbers just didn't make sense. A lot of them were already furnished, but we would have still had uh, some repairs to do. And, and they're a little bit above our price range. And that's when we saw this townhouse that was for sale. It's been on the market for about a month. And the pictures weren't the best. It didn't really give the seller a good vision of the value that this property could have. And we, um, I was looking, I believe Preston was in Maui enjoying his time. And so we were working with, um, your other teammate Walker Yep. and 
he showed us the property and we looked at it and I remember it was the same exact feeling when we saw our, our property, our Vada property is you get, you just feel like this is it. I, you walk in the door and you're like, I'm already know I'm doing it and you're already planning on what you're going to do. Mm. But I couldn't tell you on, on, we didn't, we don't have any repairs. It's a new build. My wife loves the new builds because we don't have to deal with plumbing, electrical, uh, landscaping. Cause it's a, it's a townhouse and we couldn't have asked for a better second house hack property. And it just panned out and it were, we couldn't be more unhappy and where we're at right now with our personal life. And so you're moving from the Avrata house and, you know, something I'd like to bring up and talk about too is, you know, as the, the market has changed, your strategy has changed as well. Cause you and Allison, I mean, in a month, you're expecting your, your first baby. We are. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'll see that is, you know, a, a family change like that comes into play when you're, when you're buying or, you know, living anywhere. And so how did you take the new family dynamic and kind of way, hey, here's, you know, here's how life is now. And here's what we expect life to be. Um, what were you, how are you looking at this house act through now that, hey, you're going to be a family rather than just a couple looking through this lens? So that's a great question, Chris. Thank you. When we started looking in around December, Allison was, was already pregnant. So we knew that we needed to find the separation. One thing that was a, a key component to number two was privacy finding the different from income to privacy. And we were, since we, we stabilized house hack number one and we are going to number two, we could, we could, we could sacrifice a little bit of rental income for the privacy that we'd have because we knew we would have a newborn and we knew that we had to deal with that. And we didn't want Airbnb guests being loud in the middle of the night um waking us up and our life was transitioning so our business plan had a transition as well and and uh for a layout of our current place it's a three-level townhouse the the airbnb that we have right now is on the first floor with a separate entrance which works great the second floor is just a, a common living area with the kitchen very open light and bright which we love new appliances and the living area. Then you go to the third floor. The third floor is what, what really sold my wife is two master, mm -hmm. uh, two master bedrooms with walk-in closets and large uh, bathrooms, just new, plenty of room. And we knew that it would make a great uh, house hack while we we're there. But what attracted me the most is I knew the potential when we move out. We have low, we'll have low CapEx for the first five to seven years. I mean, we know we're not going to have a roof go out. We're not going to have AC or anything, any issues. So we'll be able to build up our reserves. So when the time's ready for us, we can transition and stabilize number two and go to number three. And so when you bought this uh, house stack number two, your plan was to still be able to do medium or, or short-term rentals to offset your mortgage, uh, but you needed more privacy um, with the growing family, right? Like those are kind of like some of the two main themes. Correct. Those, okay. are, those are Allison's two main main things, which I listened to and we went from there. Well, I mean, it's a partnership. Like you have to like, Absolute, you, you don't want, you don't want one person being miserable and the other person, you know, everyone has to agree. Otherwise it causes, it causes issues. And that's a great thing that, I mean, you guys have done so well, you, you know, 
you, you, you talk about, you figure it out, then you go out there and you find the right property to make it work for your situation. And that's something everyone has to keep in mind as you go out there and invest, whether they're house hacking or they're in buying investment properties. As you grow, as the market changes, it's always about changing, adapting with the market and not saying, oh, well, here's my plan from 10 years ago. I'm gonna keep doing this because that plan is now outdated. So uh, before we get the numbers on the Wheat Ridge property, when you moved out of the Arvada property, how did you, you moved out, what is the rental situation like there? So the rental- Do you wanna pull up the spreadsheets on here or are you good? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can we can pull it up. And um, for those uh, listening, we are going to discuss the numbers. They will be on the YouTube video and the blog post. So um, this these actuals are actually based off of 2020, which is a pandemic. So um, the numbers, our occupancy rate was higher. We, during a part of the year, what made this property great was um, we actually had half the year where my sister-in-law lived with us and we char- it was a win-win situation that worked great. Um, we rented, to her, rented, rented out a bedroom to her. She was able to save, out, save up for a new house. Um, but just going through it, um, when we're living there, we're averaging about 17 hundred a month in uh actual rental income and when we transitioned we stabilized it um we pivoted from short-term rental to medium-term rental because i didn't we we don't have a washer and dryer in the mother-in-law suite and so we didn't want to have to deal with the headache and handle laundry or handle laundry so that's where we switched to medium-term rental which I really, really love, and we're going to continue with our business plan of when we move from number two to number three, because we're going to go from short-term rental to medium-term rental for house hack number two, because it's right next to a hospital. But um, so the medi- medium-term rental is fourteen hundred a month. We're getting for the uh, the mother-in-law suite. If we were Airbnb in that, we'd maybe get sixteen fifty after cleaning expenses to seventeen hundred. So it really doesn't move the needle to too much and here's the the big thing which is the icing on the cake is we were able to find a uh, a, a family to move in to the main level that was okay with somewhat of a shared space um and they also did assign a two-year lease and they were really focusing which really sold us on they want to find a place to grow and raise their family because when i hear that i think low turnover all right. So the numbers on here, you're getting about $1,400 a month in, in rent on the medium term rental. And the main house is rented out at 2100 right? Correct. All right. So about, yeah, 3400 So $3,400, 3, $3,500 total a month. Yep. You're not paying for property manager. You're putting mm-hmm. away 8% uh, in repairs and maintenance or 8% of rents for reserves. $24 a month in taxes, $24 a year in taxes. $1,700 a year in insurance, utilities. If you, if you look at utilities... When you're we putting first, on something. Is something okay on the spreadsheet? What? Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, utilities. So yep. when, if, if, um, when we were first running the numbers, we were assuming that electric, uh, trash, um, all the utilities would be paid by the tenant, but we're Airbnb, we're, we're, we're renting out the top unit, so it's not fair to the tenants on the main level 
to pay for 100% of the utilities. So we keep the utilities in our name and we think it's fair that we we pay for 33% of the water, sewer, and electric and they pay for 66% of it. So we keep it in our name. It may it may cause a little bit more work on my end on on doing bills at the end of the month, but it just it's it what it's what made sense for us and we pay for 100% of the internet, we try to get one of the, a better internet because more and more people seem to be working from home. But oh, yeah. that's that's the the biggest change on here is is the utilities. We're covering about 33%. And that's, I mean, that's a very fair and pragmatic way to do it. Mm-hmm. So utilities, your shares, about 250 bucks a year for water, sewer. Yep. 300 bucks for trash, 600 for electric. Um, so all very reasonable. Yep. And when you move out... You're making about fifteen hundred bucks a year in cash flow. Is that what you're projecting? Um, it doesn't look move out projected. It doesn't look right, but let's see. Let's I think go. I'm on the wrong slide. That I'm sorry a, about that. I clicked on the wrong slide, there. ladies and gentlemen. So no, now we got the right <laughs> slide with the right spreadsheet on here. Um, about ten thousand bucks a year. That sounds more right based on the numbers. Yes. So you move out. That's about ten thousand dollars a year in cash flow. Mm-hmm. So you have very minimal maintenance with the long-term tenant on the main house. Um, you're doing, you know, zero to one turnovers a month for the medium-term rental, which is not a huge amount of maintenance. But you're cash flowing. I mean. Just under a thousand bucks a month. Yes, and which is pretty darn good. W- it, the numbers may not they 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 work for us. They may not be the best on paper. They work for us. But going back to the maintenance, we're keeping the maintenance. It's an older home. I think it was built in sixty four. I think it was built in 60, 1964. And so we know there's going to be repairs coming up. We know that that things are going to happen. So I'd rather assume it's going to be higher repairs than than not so we try to be very conservative and know that repairs are going to going to happen and that someday i'm going to end up hiring out instead of doing all the repairs myself so i just got to plan for worst case scenario so i mean i think these numbers are phenomenal um just because i mean the fact that you bought this house a couple years ago for five percent down you did do a refinance to lower the interest rate correct uh you know at some point a year plus ago but the numbers for, you know, putting little money down and then living it for a year and a half, these are great numbers. I mean, the fact that you can still be a strong cash flow positive uh, is a great testament to the way you've structured it and the way you've put your business plan together. So let's shift over to the Wheat Ridge. Correct. Um, and so what I want to know about, actually, before we get the numbers on here, Tell us about the process of buying a new build versus buying, you know, existing inventory. Because there, you know, it is a different game out there. You know, you buy an existing home off the MLS. That's one, you know, one thing. You buy a new build. That's a different route. From your experience, did anything really jump out to you that you liked or, you know, didn't fit with that you guys didn't like? Overall, we really, we really liked it because there's new appliances and everything. Everything's under a warranty. There were a few little hiccups that we did deal with with the garage door, with some existing cracking in the grout. Um, and there is, uh, we're still working with. There is an HOA, but the HOA is it's it's a small townhouse with with six units. So now the HOA is is built inside of it. So we manage our own HOA, which is very important to have 
if you do have an HOA, you have to make sure that it's a strong HO a financially strong HOA. So down the road, when things happen, you have you have those reserves. But I mean, overall, I would say closing. I mean, every every whether you close on a single family that was built in the '60s or a new townhome, they each have their own challenges and their own benefits. So it was it was it was it was overall pretty simple. All right, so. You guys want to contract on this, I think, uh, right at the end of December. Actually, it's New Year's Eve, right? Yes, we, we put Eve. an offer in on December 31st. Yeah. So we're going to contract on New Year's Eve. And you did a 5% down payment conventional on here. What was the purchase price? 525 But if you look at the numbers, the purchase price was 525 Um, Since these were on the market for over 30 days... The seller was very interested and motivated to sell these condos because it's slowly becoming a stale listing. And so we got 7,500 in seller credit. And, and actually when we noticed right when we closed on our property, we noticed the remaining four boom, boom, boom end up closing because I think it, it, it took away the stale listing, I would say. Uh, the other thing is after we saw the layout of the first house, the first tenants you got, uh, I think we end up having three other clients buying yes, that community is, too. That is correct. Because um, we're like, damn, this is a good layout. It, it, um, it, and it, we see these townhomes like this one small, they're all, or they, you know, they've got the Airbnb or mother-in-law suites. Um, so part of it too is we were like, oh, this looks good. Let's get other people on this, on this complex as well. Yes, it was, it was, it was great. We originally were looking at some of the smaller units, but with the, or not the middle units, but the middle units were a little smaller they didn't have as many windows and the the studio apartment, which would Airbnb was a little bit smaller. And then Walker was like, you know what? Let's just look at the the end unit and see what it likes or see see what it looks like. And so we looked at it and we're like, wow, it's actually it 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 adds a lot of value. I mean, there's more lot, it's more light, bright, attractive, and a little bit more square footage. And so we ended up actually it was a little more expensive, but um Walker and Preston were confident in what was best for us and, and made it made sense for us and so we ended up actually going with the end unit which which worked out great and the end units usually sell for more than the interior units Absolutely. and i think your the end unit here is about 25 grand more than the Correct. interior unit so yes in the grand scheme you know pretty small amount sometimes there'll be a much bigger difference uh but i think it was the right call getting the end unit did i say 2500 when you asked how much more was it Dax? i said 25000 i apologize if i if I said twenty five hundred instead of twenty five thousand more, so purchase okay. price of five forty five, um, seller credits of seventy five hundred, and then you have five thousand dollars for this repair costs. What are those repair costs for? Airbnb furnishing. The furnish. Okay, so now actually with the new build, this was just to furnish the this downstairs. This was just Airbnb. Okay. So if we dive into the numbers, we could have actually furnished this for about two thousand dollars. However. We, we were looking long-term and, and looking at our competition thinking we could have potentially another four to five another Airbnbs next to us. How do, I, how do we diversify, or diversify ourselves? How do we set ourselves apart? And, we, and one, one of the many things we did is we thought it'd be really cool to have a uh, Murphy bed. It saves room and it, and it looks cool and it's, they're very nice. And that was just under $3,000. And so it was more expensive, but 
it made sense to it and it, it was totally worth it. And so that's why our furnishing was so high. But for that little studio would have, everything else was about $2,000 from a mixture of Facebook Marketplace, Amazon, American Furniture Row, Row or yeah, American Warehouse and Craigslist. All right. So all in from uh, down payment, acquisition cost, your seller credits and furnishing the Airbnb, about $37,000. And you got a 30-year fixed at 3%. And so you and Alice are moving, you know, upstairs. And then what's the rental income situation like on the medium term or on the, on the rental right now? On the, on the Airbnb? On the Airbnb. So I should have said medium rental, but the short-term rental downstairs. All right. I think I have it somewhere in here. Um, all right. There's that's while living there. Okay. So we're averaging, uh, about $1,500 a month in rental income. And this is only looking at March and April, March. We had a lower occupancy rate and, and then April, we were a lot higher. So we're averaging a, about the, for between the two months, we are averaging about 75% occupancy rate with about $1,500 a month in Airbnb income. And we are projecting about $1,200. So we are exceeding that. Oh, so you originally projected we projected a lot less, but they were eight were, were as we started, we had it very low at a nightly yeah. rate at about $75. Then we slowly put, push the weekends up to 85, 90. And now I think our weekends are at 108 and we're filling the weekends. So knowing what you know now, do you think your income will stay about $1,500 a month or do you think there's more upside there? Um, there is more room for growth, but the key is we're more interested in in actually cash flow and high occupancy rate. So I'd rather have average nightly rate of $95 at 91% occupancy rate than 75% occupancy rate at $120. And it just makes more sense to us. So when we move out, I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit cheaper because we're going to a med um, a medium term rental, which is just fine with us. And so while you're still living there, you're obviously not going to pay for property management. Management, You're putting away 5% for repairs and maintenance, which is probably high for townhomes, yes. but you always want to plan for putting some money away. There is an HOA of $60 a month. What does an HOA cover? HOA covers um, landscaping, mowing, um, snow removal, and like just the little, little things. There isn't that much landscaping or even grass, but we actually, just this week, we were talking about doing a, a sharing a lot of it ourselves to try to save up um some of the hoa costs and build up our reserves to have a healthy hoa okay so real estate taxes about sixty five hundred dollars for the year so this is one of the big difference between new bills and existing inventory that tax bill is quite a bit higher than the arvada house that is that and that that for everyone listening it was just a guess i went on our escrow and found out what our escrow was but i mean when when realistically they're assess they're assessing it as just an empty lot there they don't have any historical data to go off of so we'll 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 see what happens yeah and so everyone can understand that there it's every two years in colorado where they re or they uh reassess uh property taxes 
So a lot of times when you build townhomes, you know, the first year or sometimes two years of property taxes is the value of when it was just a piece of dirt or an old dilapidated home or whatever it was. So the first year or two might be really low taxes, but then once they reassess it and there's actually a new existing structure on there, your taxes will go up. So that's definitely something a lot of times it is a little bit of a guessing game, uh, but that's where you can look at some comps. And we also got some rules of thumb that we can go into details, uh, individual with people as well. Yes. And that is, was, was 100%. Uh, I, I was trying to do my research, but that was just pulled off of um, what we're paying for tax insurance currently right now, just All to right. try to work backwards with the numbers. Oh, so that's for your taxes and insurance. Yes. That, okay. Yes. That is what I pulled off of one of our statements. Oh, I got you. Okay. So yeah, your right. mortgage that's statement. Cool. About $6,500 total for the year for taxes and insurance. Correct. All right. Your water sewer for the year is about $750. Trash, $150. Excel, $1,200 for the year. Internet, um, $65. That must be a month, right? Uh, correct. I should yeah. have probably done so that. Should we be can about $600. Yes. That's not going to have a big impact on the numbers here. And if you notice, for the utilities, look at how, how much how much cheaper they are for a new build you got high everything high efficiency um new plumbing for water it's utilities have been a lot a lot more a lot less expensive and no yard to water right what's up no yard to water no yard no yard to water when we were in our first one i was a big person i really took pride in in our house and our lawn and so we we went a little high in the water especially well we've had a lot of water uh over the past month or so but when we for 2020 we we were definitely um showing out a lot of water to keep our grass looking nice great curb appeal for the potential guests coming in so while you're living there while you're living there you're gonna have all you're gonna have the income about 1500 a month approximately and then subtract out the expenses of mortgage payment you're gonna be living there for about 1500 bucks a month all in not just for above the mortgage but for all the expenses yep. on there. So when it comes down to the basics of, hey, we're living in a brand new place. Um, we got a great Airbnb set up with our privacy. The fact that you're paying $1,500 a month to live there, is that a win or is that below what you wanted? That is 100% a win in my book. What was what were you hoping for projecting before you ever went on a contract on this place? Like, what'd you guys want? Um, for a mortgage? Or well, just off. Awesome. I remember when you bought the the Arada house, you, you had, I think you wanted to like live for less than a thousand bucks a month. You, you know, from my perspective, one of the ways that you look at is, hey, how much can we reduce our living expenses by? And you set Correct. a benchmark. Correct. What was the benchmark for this property? It's about right there. We're we're guessing actually, I think 18, 1800. Okay. But what we do is, I mean, we have our, our house act number one and that's its business of its own. We're not gonna dabble in the, any of that income to help pay off our income. That's its own business of its own. So we keep that in its own in, in our in its own account. So this is just primarily this this property we are guessing 18 on what would be comfortable for us and we're we're beating it and why i say 18 is i'm sure a lot of people listening are are will think hey i'm doing a house hack i want to get my living expenses to zero yes that's great but it's it what work it's what worked best for us i mean we talk about um privacy versus income we'll take it all day it's better than it at the end of the day it's real estate is a very forgiving asset and it, it, it works for us. And the other way I look at it too is, 
I mean, $1,500 a month to live there. I mean, you can't go rent a place in this part of town that's quality for $1,500 a month. And that's great perspective, keep in mind. But when you said, hey, where you guys are for your investing goals, for your life situation, starting a family, like you get a balance a lot more now. And this is an absolute win. Oh, and yes. you're going to be here for a while. Then you move out and you get a great asset. That's going to be a big, you know, big part of your real estate portfolio in the years to come. Yes. So, Ben, as we wrap this up, like what, what are the things you want to talk about or advice do you want to give other people making that transition from either, you know, one property to the next or also just house hacking while also, you know, doing some family planning. Um, so kind of two questions in there. I but know that's, it, it was, I, I could go on for, I'm trying to think of what would be best is, is going from number one to number two was, was a lot of work. And during the time, whenever you're in the middle of whatever it is, it think you, you think that not for lack of a better word, the world's falling, but when you look back at it, it's not that bad. So at, I, at, during the time, all in, I'd say a week to two weeks, we had to clean our house hack, the main level of our house hack number one. We had to close on house hack number two. We had to furnish house hack number two for the Airbnb. Um, and then we also had to fill house hack number one. I went over those really quickly. I hope I covered it all, but we had a lot of moving parts and a lot, also a lot of different closing dates. The and I was really focused on low turnover and I may have cut the dates a little bit short, I guess, because there's a time where like, oh, we want to close this. I'm like, well, we can't, we can't close on this Friday. We have, or this Saturday, we have tenants moving on on this Friday. So we had to work with it and we did cut the timeline short. So for my advice is if you're going from number one to number two, is when you're looking at filling it, give yours. I mean, you may sacrifice a little bit of income, but give yourself some space and some time to make sure you you have a set closing date on your new property, and then it gives you time uh, after you, time to move out, get to your house like number two, and then bring tenants in maybe a week later. You're 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 having that week of not any rental income, but it'll definitely save you the headache as well as now that you're out of you're in house hack number two and in house hack number one, it's a business. It's more of a business mindset. And so you want to create systems and have, and having a short-term rental while you're not living there is a, it's a whole different ball game because now you can't do the, now you can't do the laundry. Your, your cleaner could do the laundry, but they'd have to go to a laundromat because you don't have laundry. So you have to figure out what works best for you so you still enjoy it so you don't burn yourself out and you're now on house like number two and you don't even want to continue and you're <laughs> you're completely over it so you have to enjoy the journey if it sacrifices a little income it's better than paying rent just enjoy it there may be times where it's tough you think why you're doing this or you don't know how you're going to fill it if you're in the middle of a pandemic but you 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 figure it out and one last thing, sorry, I'm going on a, on a rant, is you mentioned teamwork with your partner. Why Alice and I work so great as a team is we cre we set it as like a business. We each have our goals and our expectations of what each person's responsibility is. She is excellent with tenant communication and her whole organ her whole organizing. So it doesn't leave the finger pointing of, hey, you were supposed to talk to them or you were supposed yeah. to 
that's that is the biggest thing because if you're tired and you're getting messages and but and it could lead to a lot of disagreement but if you have your expectations up front you know who's each role and responsibility is it leaves out a lot of room it, it just makes things easier because i always i always say um Allison always runs all the operations. So she's like the CEO and I'm the CFO. I do all the, the financials, the, the month in financials and, and planning for big picture number, number, um, number three, because when we have an idea and Allison and I talk about it, she is a rock star at executing and communicating and staying on top of things. So that's the biggest thing is, is if you're in it with a significant other, Make sure you have your expectations of wh- who's handling what, who's handling the cleaning, who's in when a message comes in, who's responding, uh, who's dealing with the cleaner, and so on and so forth. It's, it's just very key to to take back, take a step back, and you two are man, you two are owning a business. It's you're just mm-hmm. not doing it for fun. Ben, great advice. I appreciate. Coming back on the podcast, talking about the transitions, opening up is very helpful because a lot of the people in a similar situation have questions. So thank you. And also, what's a great way for people to reach out to you to you know network with you and connect with you? The best way will just to uh, either give me a phone call. My I'll put my my phone number on the show notes. You can either shoot me an email or uh, give me a phone call. And I I love networking. I mean. If for those of you who don't know, I, I'm the uh, one of the hosts of the Masterminds podcast, and the whole principle of that was networking and growing your your network in the Denver metro area. So I love talking with with like minded investors, and every time I talk with something, I I learn something about myself more. It, it's you always learn from someone else. So reach out to me. My info will be in the show notes. Ben, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me on. It's it's been fun. I love these. These are my my favorite. Having the deal analysis, diving into the numbers. All right. So if you guys have any questions about here, check out the blog post for the screenshots, the spreadsheet. Reach out to Ben to network, get more details. And if you want to go out there and buy your first, your next house hack, reach out to our team here at the Envision Advisors. This is what we do. Help you go out there and figure your strategy. And then also figure out what's going on in the marketplace, get the two together and find the right property for your next investment.